1: It's your midweek mailbag edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. Jake Burns, Andrew Spade, we have a ton of great listener questions. We're going to get to pretty much all of them with some really great topics from you guys. So kudos to you for doing that. Appreciate it. It's a great episode offense, defense, special teams, some random ones, and even some coaching ones, believe it or not. Let's get started on the latest OBR Film Breakdown midweek mailbag edition right now. All right, welcome into the mailbag. This is your Wednesday edition, midweek as we do. Andrew Spade is here with me. Andrew, what's up? What's happening? How are we doing over there, man?
2: I'm doing great, Jake. Uh, it's a, a it's been a busy day for me, but um, I'm I was very gratified. I was away from my phone a lot today, and then uh, got to the got to the phone at a certain point and saw all the notifications from uh, from Twitter, all the questions that we got. So. Um, really pleased. You know, it's just I I I it seems like people are enjoying the mailbag. They like th- throwing the questions at us. So, I'm excited to tr- we're going to we have a bunch to answer. We're going to try and answer them all, so let's see what we can do.
1: Yeah, we're going to try to keep those answers a little tighter, right? Andrew and I, I don't know if you guys know this from checking in most days, but him and I can talk, right? We can get we long-winded to. about subjects. So, I think that's probably why you start a podcast in general. It's because you love to talk. It's kind of synonymous, but Uh, We're going to try to be very concise with those, not because we don't like your question, just because we have a lot to get to and we don't want to leave anyone out. Uh, Before we do, though, we have to update uh, really a ton of things that happened in Berea today. Right. So uh, we'll start at the top. The Browns placed. um, Well, actually, we'll start at the very, very top, which is Perry on Winfrey signs with the Jets practice squad. Are you I guess the question is based on what happened with him. I don't know how that played out. I kind of lost interest on what Mm -hmm. happened when they let him go. It's very quick to be back in the NFL. Yeah, very he's quick.
2: just been sitting on, he's been sitting as far as I know. He's been training. I, I saw that he's been training with Marvin Wilson, who was mm-hmm. that FSU DT and, it, you know, he's got a trainer or whatever. So he's been staying ready.
1: Staying he ready. another shot. I, I didn't, I didn't think he'd get another shot, but here we are. Not enough DTs and really offensive tackles in the NFL to survive, right? You, these guys get a lot of opportunities. So the big news that started the day, Jedrick Wills goes to the IR and the Browns promote. It's, is it, is it Garan Christian? Am I saying that correctly? Oh, that's make a good sure I question, say that. I
2: don't know. Let's. I, I'll check the media site to see if there's a pronunciation guide for him Yep. All
1: right, as you guys know, this podcast not super accurate with pronunciation of names. We try yeah. our best, but I'm going to say Geron. Geron. Bring... I think that probably a harder, harder J sound there probably yeah, makes more sense. That feels so right to me, they obviously put Jed on IR. The good news about that is uh, is is Jed isn't going to miss the rest of the season. Now he could still, if this thing lingers, right? Uh, damage to the MCL, PCL, call some bone bruise stuff here, but. If all goes according to plan, it's like a six-week injury, and you could get him back by the end of the year, which would be nice, right? It's obviously a good outcome for Jed, based on a the air cast, b the way his face looked, the pain that he looked like he was in—positive stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Christian obviously uh, is who they bring up, who they activate. He had said life comes at you pretty quickly. He signed to the practice squad a week ago. Now, obviously, he's up on the active roster. Uh, I don't really have a ton of insight into him. Six five three twenty was a former third-round pick of the Commanders. Um, appeared in 49 games started 16 probably should do a little bit more digging into his background, but that's kind of the baseline stuff, but he does have his first two seasons with Bill Callahan. So that's something right. And then uh, yeah. they obviously have Leroy Watson too. So there are going to be some names you don't totally recognize, but I think that's a little bit of the theme of uh, where we're at with some of these players coming up like the Pierre strong. It still takes me a while. I don't know if this happens to you, Andrew, but it takes me a minute to adjust my eyes to like, Oh, there's no Nick Chubb carrying the football. 34 and 20 and you know kareem is familiar but those guys that are carrying the ball who are not normally doing it over the years you just get so it's like when someday i don't know when it'll happen it's really cool to hear miles garrett today say i think he said it to to k adams where he said you know as long as the browns want to keep me around i want to finish my career here someday it'll be really weird to not have 95 bending the edge in cleveland Mm. but i have to think about that for a while but that's kind of the similar feel here where it's like the staple is missing time so it's a lot of adjusting, but that's gonna happen here with Watson. It's gonna happen with uh, you know, if if they're gonna give Hudson a chance, we'll see if Hudson's able to handle that chance. If not, uh Geron will obviously be in the mix there with Leroy Watson. So those are the first two pieces of news. And then we have I mean, really, they threw a slew of things out here, including Cam Mitchell to the IR with a hamstring. Surprise. Had no had no clue, had no clue. And it's really a bummer yeah. because he played so well. And he mm-hmm. looks like a legitimate slot. Like, like the the, the comfort to do the tackling angles and uh, you know, he's obviously breaking on the football pretty well. I, I think he's playing good football. Uh, so it's a hamstring. It must be a, a higher grade of hamstring issue here. Uh, if that's how they, you know, if that's how they sort of uh, evaluate those. I don't know. I know that there's some like a strained groin has different yeah. degrees of it, but I, I don't know how to do the hamstring. But it has to be serious enough that like they automatically know he's going to miss four weeks. And it's a big deal. You you have to hope Newsom's good to go because if Newsom's not good to go for Baltimore, boy, you put you in a bind with like Mike Ford playing in the slot, yeah. and that's that's a glaring weakness, Andrew.
2: Yeah, you don't. Want to, I don't. I mean, I, nothing against Mike Ford; he's here for special teams. He's not here to be a, a, a an on the field cornerback. And so, you know, the truth is is that I think Mitchell is probably the only true nickel on the on the roster, and uh, yeah. so you know he he's down, and and so you're you're filling it one way or the other. Obviously, you'd rather fill it with Newsom despite his limitations that we've discussed. He's he's still a, a very talented, you know, athletic uh, player. Ford is just, uh, I think he gets exposed a little too often because he doesn't have a lot of feel for the position. It feels to me like Mike Ford is, is a, you know, special teams first, who sometimes when he's in coverage will get caught guessing, leaning, those sorts of things, does not, doesn't feel like a natural cover corner, I guess is the way that I would say it. So I, you definitely would prefer Newsom. You hope he can get back uh, because, yeah, the the Ravens, you know, it's, they're not. It's not the most talented group of wide receivers, but they'll definitely find that matchup if they can.
1: And yeah, I don't. I haven't seen Ford play enough to really know to qualify myself to feel like he's good enough. I mean, if he was good enough, I feel like he would be involved more. Put it that yeah, way. I'm, I'm kind of like harkening like back to some,
2: some preseason yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, when they jump to a rookie like Cam Mitchell, right? I mean, it tells you that, that that they've already skipped this veteran that they don't believe he's quite qualified to play. So yeah, and then in the preseason there were you know, preseasons learning a new system and there's some elements and all that stuff, but, but he was not, uh, not very good. So we'll hope that that doesn't. And also he's one play away now. So that's something to keep in mind. But anyway, uh, names that they brought in, uh, James Prochet signed to the active roster, 11 and a half yards per punt return last week, thought it was coming. It's good for, it's good news. I, I think that I don't know about the wide receiver position. He's at least a veteran, right? Uh, he has been around more of Greg Roman's offenses, ironically enough, but, he can handle stepping onto the field if a depth issue happens or if something for, you know, if we're, if we're talking about Cedric Tillman struggling with where to line up and what to do and how to do it. Obviously, I think that was pretty, obvious. you know, watching the tape. I thought that was pretty obvious. Watson telling him where to line up at times, telling him when to come in motion, like aggressively reminding him like you're trying to figure out why isn't that young man on the field earlier. It's clearly a mental thing more than a physical thing with him. So they're. Probably saying, you know, we might need somebody to step into that role, which I know you guys have a lot of questions about. Other than that, you have signings uh, that that bring on to the practice squad. Trinity Benson, which you could convince me that's a fake name uh, wholeheartedly. It's a great fake name. To He's be a honest. returner
2: for sure. I know that
1: about. Uh, yeah. Vincent Gray, who's a safety and then tackled Justin Murray uh, all to the practice squad. And they let go of Devin Asiasi from the practice squad. So Benson, yeah, second year player at the East Central originally signed by Denver UDFA in 19, nine games, two starts with the lions, 10 catches, 103 yards in eight games. The safety gray was in uh, his officially in his first NFL season out of Michigan signed by new Orleans as a UDFA in 22 uh, and spent the off season in 23 with the Rams. And then Murray six five three fifteen fifth 15 fifth year in the NFL out of Cincinnati, originally signed by Denver UDFA in 16, appeared in 41 games with 20 starts with the Raiders, Cardinals and bills, and some with the Titans earlier this year. So, He's been around. He's got experience. Another guy that they could bring up yeah. off the practice squad in a time yeah. of need for offensive line. So yeah.
2: well, that's all the moves. Andrew. One last thing on the on the whole tackle conversation. I, I, I saw it really kind of bouncing around uh, Twitter today just when I was catching up that, you know, there's, there's sort of the sentiment of like, well, they've they've given uh, Tyne and Secky a chance, right? And then there's this kid from the 49ers that they put on the roster. And then now it's Jerron Christian. And all in all of these uh, moves – Alex Leatherwood is still stuck on the practice squad and people are inferring from that, that Alex Leatherwood is not a player, you know, and and doesn't have a future. I think if he wasn't a player and didn't have a future, they'd just cut him, Right. Like, yeah. I, I don't see them being motivated to, to give a guy a roster spot for no reason. I think the, the thinking is if he's got a bunch of bad habits that he's trying to unlearn and they're trying to kind of tear him down and build him back up, you don't throw him into game action <laughs> to, 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 you know, finish that process, right? Like, I, I, to me, Alex Leatherwood is on this roster for next year because he will, at that point, have had a full year under Bill Callahan and Scott Peters to see what he can do. You see him in the preseason next year. If he looks good, maybe he makes the active roster out of camp. But I don't think, to me, it, it feels a little bit. I, I, it feels like a, a, a leap logically to say they prefer these other guys over him. So it must be that he's never going to amount to anything. I, I don't think. I think there's still a chance, but it's a longer term project, right? He was a project coming into the league. So I, I, I'm just I'm not to the point of if, if they were ready to bail on him, they would just cut him. They've they've been cutting, you know, they're cutting guys off the practice squad. They're having to make a lot of roster moves. They can't afford to just keep this guy around for no reason.
1: Yeah, it's not it's people jump to this like this or that thing. Exactly. Right. It doesn't yes, have to you. be that way. Like right. they're just because they're passing over him for people who have more game experience and that's, it doesn't too. mean that yeah. you can't continue to develop him. He's a project player here. So right. it okay. doesn't mean Just you wanted to get that out there. Him. No, you're completely right. I'm I'm definitely echoing what you're saying. I just like, like there's this belief and I saw it too, where you know, that must tell you a lot about Alex Leatherwood. You think we we, we know that, right? right I mean, exactly. Like right. it doesn't, it doesn't mean that he can't, you know, be something down the line and maybe he's nothing who cares, but it doesn't have to be, you have to also comment on, on Leatherwood at the same time. Right. Like, right. Well, just, you know, know,
2: think about that player Tyrone Wheatley that they, they spun to the Patriots in the, in the PR strong trade, right? Like Mm -hmm. he was claimed at the beginning of last year on waivers. He spent an entire season, an entire cycle with the Browns. And then in, in preseason this year, looked really good. looked like a different player. That's the expectation. That's the hope, right? Not the expectation. The hope is that next year, 24 training camp, Alex Leatherwood looks like somebody that could contribute at some point.
1: Bingo. Right. Have him around the people that are doing it. Have him around, like you said, to technicians. It's a, it's a, it's a chance for an outcome for him. And and really otherwise there's not much of a chance for him. So it's like, I don't know, it. it doesn't, it doesn't define him. These moves yeah. here. Don't define what he's going to be. And again, might not be anything, but th- this doesn't mean anything to that outcome. So, all right, good point. Uh, moving on questions now. So, we're going to go offense, defense. We're just going to go down the line. Andrew did a great job of putting these in a, in a document for us, so we'll go back and forth down the line, try to 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 say who wrote these questions as best we can. Sometimes they come from Twitter handles, or we read the name attached to the Twitter handle, or some come through DM or something like that too. So um, we'll start at the top on offense. What's your best guess for the lack of production at wide receiver outside of Amari Cooper? In the All-22, it seems like guys are getting open. Is it a trust issue? Deshaun not seeing it. Or am I just overestimating how open the other guys are? This is a question from Dom or Donnie. Not sure which one. Uh, I think it's, it's from Donnie. It was Donnie. from
2: Donnie, and then a, a guy named Dom had a similar question about Elijah Moore. So
1: Right on. Okay, so I have a couple answers to this. I think, you know, a lot of times they isolate Amari Cooper one-on-one or two-by-two. Two. They'll put him in the primary function of the route system. So he's going to get a lot of first looks. You should want Amari Cooper to dominate targets and get a lot of looks. That's a good outcome. What you have to do is understand what the backside routes typically are. The Browns love to run a dig off of a drive up the middle of the field, a divide. It's usually called like dagger concept, but it's a great backside route answer for quarterbacks. And it's usually to the field, the wide side. If the Browns pass protection, which I don't think has been very good this year, is leaky in one single spot on a snap, then you're probably not going to get to that route the way you need to. Now, over the previous years, they've been better, but they're not getting to the second. They'll sometimes get to the second, but they're not getting to the third enough. And between DTR, between PJ Walker and Deshaun, I don't think as we currently sit here nine weeks in, and Deshaun has missed a lot of time, so I'm kind of lumping him in here, the processing of this is not great right now. If the, if Deshaun continues to play and gets more comfortable, I do think there can be an uptick, but the two best Browns weapons are getting the football the most of late Cooper and Joku. I would like Elijah Moore to get a little bit more. And then there's an auxiliary role kind of filling in that Z position where you're getting the most from Tillman or whoever. They need to spread and distribute the football. There are going to be more game plans like the Cardinals who are going to try to bracket him and take him away. I think that will start to happen, but it's again a lack of quarterback continuity is the biggest thing. And they're just not having enough time to develop the route that usually comes to guys like Donovan's old position. Right. So I think we let it play out a little bit more let Don let, let Deshaun get healthier, more consistent in what they're doing. And I think that role will uptick a little bit.
2: Yeah. The only thing I would add is they've, they've played eight games. They've been in survival mode for, I think five of them, right? Yes. Survival mode is a great way to put it. And so that's just, where's two he's our best option find him try and get him the ball throw it up to him even if he's not open we saw a lot of that from pj walker Mm -hmm. so you know the offense the whole question for the first half of the year was will the offense develop the answer so far is no but it has a lot more to do with what's happened at quarterback than it does with any other specific reason all right uh so this is kind of a a similar question talking about i mean i guess these are all offensive questions the uh, question is, assuming things go well, but the offense still isn't fully unleashed this year, what offensive mind or system would you like to add to the staff? Would you seek a college OC or stick to the NFL from Camtastic?
1: I'd love a college OC. I'd love yeah. a, a young college mind. Yeah. I think like Joe Brady, I think is who it was a few years back from LSU. Yeah. It came to be a quarterback coach with, I think, the Panthers. Now, I don't know where he's bounced to, but I, I would like somebody. quarterback's with some... coach for the Bills. Right on. Actually, I knew that. I, I should have known that. Um, there. I think he got an O. Did he get an OC job in the NFL? I he was like the he OC for cured. Carolina. That's right. So Matt, he eventually got Ruhle, the OC Then he job. got fired. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Um, yes. More of the story. I would. I, I think you should. I would look at Indy staff, which I have poked around. You know, I'm a Shane Steichen mm-hmm. guy. I would look at Philly staff, and I would try to pluck somebody from those two offensive structures. Talk to them. I would also talk to college guys who have a lot of experience in the different, diverse run stuff that is going on at those levels. And obviously some of the different RPO stuff going on at those levels. Mm-hmm. So to answer that question at a very simple level, I would not look for a recycled NFL mind. I would yeah. not do that. I would look for a forward thinking, somebody attached to a forward thinking offensive mind. That's where I would be uh, yep. tilting it. But again, Kevin's so loyal. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to sit here and tell you that's going to happen. But if you want to see one move that would get Jake really excited in the off season, that would be one.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the same conversation we had last offseason, and it didn't happen. So I'm not going to hold my breath. I'll say that. But um, if, if we're just talking about young, you know, college offensive minds that I'm enamored with, you know, what Sean Lewis has done at Colorado this year is, I think, deserving of a ton of praise. And then he gets demoted and replaced by say, Pat Sherman. for one person. Exactly. Deserves, right. So if he's, you know, unhappy and wants a different type of challenge, I you know, that's a name that. I would, I know it's, you know, it's a hot name. I'm sure he's on a lot of people's lists and probably has some college head coaching jobs lined up, but um, yeah, that, that's, that's a name. The other one, and this is one, this is a guy whose, whose career I've been following for a long time. His name is Brennan Marion and mm-hmm. he is currently the OC at UNLV.
1: He's running some real funky stuff, man. He's gotten yeah. a lot of attention. A yeah. lot of like uh, X and O guys, write-ups, man.
2: Yeah he uh he has this he has kind of his own offense that's called the go-go offense that's like super high tempo and it yeah as jake said does a lot of weird stuff and uh if anybody gets a chance to watch unlv over the 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 uh, back end of the season here or in bowl season you know watch their bowl game because they're going to be bowl eligible for the first time in a long time and he has a lot to do with it so that's that's a name that it's probably a few years too early for him to go to an nfl staff and have a big job but just you know, if 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 you're interested in like what different offenses look like, his watching his offense is very different to watching a lot of NFL offenses. You want
1: to talk about creative motion? He's doing that stuff. Yes, that Like exactly. the weird, wild, creative stuff that you you see the rest of the people who cover the league or the rest of the NFL trying to emulate. He's doing a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you could you could bring that opinion in, give him a chance to get his feet wet in the NFL. Right? I would love that uh yeah it's uh sometimes i think we live in a fantasy world with that thought process but anyway next question should the browns extend amari cooper due to the lack of production from the wide receiver room if so what's it going to cost them either way that's from Scheisty one which sounds very cincinnati-ish for uh, joe burrow but we'll (laughs) let it slide i think they should give amari cooper some calculated extension he's been I don't I don't know, man. I haven't looked at the rest of the wide receivers around the NFL, but I, he's got to be playing at an all pro level. He's doing some really, really he's single handedly driving this Browns offense at times and not many guys are doing that. So I consider him extremely valuable having a fantastic season. He doesn't seem to be losing a step. The quickness is still there. Yeah. could you get something done for two years? You know, could you could you find a way? I don't know what Coop's looking at. I don't know where everybody sits with it, but I'd have the discussion, Andrew.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think it makes a ton of sense because he's, you know, he's his cap number is high again next year, right? He's on the books for, I think it's around 20 million again for 24. Mm-hmm. So can you lower the number for 24 and maybe give him a little bit extra for a second year? Yeah. You know, I, I think the way that he plays the game, Jake, he's probably going to age pretty gracefully, right? Because his, his, so much of what he does is not predicated on. You know, elite athleticism. Although he is a great athlete, it's not. You know, he he wins in other ways a, a lot of the time. So, uh, I I would be, yeah, I would be. I mean, considering who he is as a person and how meaningful he has been to the the. I mean, think about how great he was last year too. This is two years running where he has been one of the most valuable players on the offense. I, yeah, I think you have to think about doing right by the player.
1: I don't know that. I know that. I don't know it off the top of my head, but. I don't think there have been many back to back thousand yard receivers for the Browns. I, I really point. don't. There's obviously yeah. the great Braylon at Edwards year. There was the great, and I'm just talking post 1999. There was the Josh Gordon uh, you know, um what explosion year, but mm-hmm. there wasn't yeah. I, I you'd have to look it up. Probably st- you're probably trying to get into like Ozzy Newsome territory for mm-hmm. guys who've done it back to back thousand yard years. So I think Amari Cooper's on the running for one of the best rounds receivers we've ever seen. Let's put it that That's way. It's a great point. All right. Next question. Do you believe the team always believed in Watson as their franchise quarterback? Or do you think the type of throws on the weekend to Cooper could motivate them even more and get them out of the uh, and get everything out of them as a team on a psychological level? That's from Dado23 or Dado. I I hope you pronounce that correctly. It's a tricky question. It sure is. Do you believe that the team always believed in Watson? Well, the conviction had to be strong to start. And I don't think you were going to move off your conviction from the last six games because of all of the surrounding noise. You obviously have three early season games, Andrew, that I thought by the third game he played pretty well. I don't think, more of the story for me, I don't think we're there yet. Were there times everybody's really frustrated? Was the Colts game like a, oh my God, like what yeah. is happening? This, mm-hmm. this could be an awful moment. Yes, but I don't think... It was the conviction as strong the day they decided in the office to give up three firsts in the deal that they gave him? Probably not. After that indie game, you start to question yourself. I think that's natural, but I still think they believe in the guy. I, I think that everybody's still bought in. The players are are saying that, and I think it sounds like when you listen to them, they do believe that. Um, you know, could could like you're asking here you know, on a psychological level to get everything out of them? Yeah, though if. <laughs> if Watson plays dominant football, that changes everything. It changes everything. So yeah, if he's playing great, it lifts the team's temperature, man. Like you got to understand the defense at times has felt beaten down for doing uh, all of the the heavy carrying at times. Right. So like, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to oversimplify what you're asking for here, but if Watson gets back to being a top 10 hell top five quarterback, that changes the the players, obviously, but it changes the way you feel, the way we feel, the way we think about every single game. And we talked about this, Andrew, where you go into these games and you feel oh, we always have a chance. Our quarterback's yeah, really good. Exactly. So like yeah. it changes everything, the Browns centered and, and all of the surrounding elements if he mm-hmm. gets back to that level. So yeah. yeah, I mean, those types of throws matter. <laughs> Him feeling right, confident swagger yeah. stuff matters, right? So yeah. there you go. The,
2: the other thing I would say just quickly on this is that um they kind of don't have a choice right now. You know, in in, so, in, an, so in an alternate universe where DTR lights up the Ravens, right, and they pull off an upset in his, you know, and then he goes out and is like 2-1 and one over those next three games. Now you have a locker room that is taking sides. There are players like the Dak, in that.
1: Dak Romo thing, right? Exactly. Where, you know, that whole thing played exactly. out later because
2: on. Because ultimately, these guys want to win they don't, I mean, the the truth of the NFL is they do not care who the quarterback is. They just, they just want to win. And so if, if guys make a business decision and say, well, you know, the other guy's helping us win. So I'm, I'm with him, even if, you know, Watson's the guy that's making all the money, but that's not the reality where the Browns are right now. The, everybody's got to be all in on Watson, whether it's the players or the front office or the coaching staff or the fans, because there's not another option. And so, that's you know, and then you'll you think about next year that's probably why they they can't bring in a highly drafted quarterback or a you know highly paid backup because they kind of have to be all in on Watson. So that's I think that's where they are for the foreseeable future is it's like it's 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 sink or swim. All right, so the next question this is another one about uh, the second wide receiver question. Uh, but it's a little bit of a different angle. The question is where do the current wide receivers rank in yards after the catch? separation and how does it compare to other teams and then does it fix itself is it a skill issue or a scheme issue the jake i'll leave the second part of this question about how it fixes itself the skill scheme stuff to you I, i do know that the browns uh the last i saw which was i think a week or two ago were last in the league in yards after the catch and very low in terms of how they measure measure separation so i i do think those are issues i think it's you know again as i said before This is another one that is very hard to pull apart from the quarterback stuff. And so when you start to talk about the skill scheme stuff, that really has its roots in the, I think the, the ongoing instability at quarterback, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, Jake.
1: Well, I, you're talking about, I mean, the the Browns are going to be at the bottom of every category right now. Like they, you're talking about, they're playing many games in survival mode. You look at the offense and I'm looking at a bunch of different metrics. Cause I do the whole comprehensive breakdown. And I'm like, why am I even worrying about where they are in the league? Of course they're at the bottom of the league. They're in the bottom of the league for most of these because they're playing with two arms tied behind their back at times. So yes, they need to be better in these categories. The thing that bugs me is I think Elijah Moore is a good route runner. I think Cooper is a good route runner too. obviously a great route runner at times man coverage or even guys matching in zone they don't create much separation Mm -hmm. like almost this is going to sound weird I'm not impressed by the way they set up their routes like I don't think they do a very good job of a a move before a move to create separation I don't think they do a very good I get I don't want to be careful with this yeah but it almost looks like they're not playing hard like they're thinking too much and it's bothering me when i watch them try to create one-on-one separation where i'll look around the league and see like a bunch of other teams i mean oh man look how he kind of stacked double set that put his left foot in the ground got back inside i don't see enough of that from the browns
2: mm-hmm. i don't
1: think chad O'Shea's doing a great job i'm just being yeah. transparent i, I, I really mean that's where don't i was going think, with it i don't think they're doing a great job with this mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. I just don't think they say, there there's so many times I'll watch them try to run routes and they're just getting collisioned and they're not mm-hmm. getting off of these collisions in the five yard window. And it's like, I think we're all watching the game, Andrew on Sunday. And it's like, well, why is Watson not throwing it down the field? The intermediate, there's no one open. There's yep. nobody open. Yep. And there are times here and there you could see him maybe forcing one if he wanted to, but. I'm just concerned about like the belief, either the belief the guys running the routes have and what they're doing is going to get open or or kind of the inverse of Jim Schwartz, where is O'Shea limiting them too much in what they can do before the break that matters in their route. Right. Whereas you hear the defensive line guys talk about, I've never really played with a guy like Schwartz who just says, do what you do, however you want to get there. Here's what you're supposed to do. Get there how you get there. And like it feels like on the offense side, it's very regimented. Mm-hmm. And I don't see a bunch of um wide receiver release and and break point nuance that is creating is designed, is supposed to create like, oh, he lost him in man coverage. Like that right. guy got beat back. I don't and I think Moore and Cooper are good route like they're known as good route runners. DPJ, not a separation guy, never has been. He's a tough catch guy. But like I think you get what I'm saying. I, I don't. Do. I, I'm. I know I don't have all the information. I'm very. I, I. I hate blaming coaches, and I'm doing this delicately because I don't know the approach O'Shea is using. If he's being told by somebody above him, you have to have them doing it this way because it's a timing predicated system. Like I'm being careful with that. But outside looking in, I would say the wide receiver technique development, I question it a little bit. I question it a little bit. Um, yeah. I think it's a fair question to ask. Yeah. Just the nuance is not as good as somebody would hope for. And I think teams are not afraid to challenge them because of it. Yeah. Right. Like they're not afraid to get down in their face and all that stuff. So I'm again, i again, I'm being very careful because I don't have, I'm not in the locker room. I don't have any inside information on this. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing on film. And I'm like, that doesn't look like a player playing with conviction in what he's doing and playing as hard as he needs to play. And that is just a little worrisome to me. So uh, that's where I'll leave it. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but, but that's just something as I kind of a digested film here, it's something that bothers me. Now you can create them more bunch alignments, more stacks, more, more motion on the snap to create some more opportunities for guys not to get hit. Right. But I don't know, man. It's it's tricky. It's very delicate, but yeah, I I think that that that's kind of where I'm at on. I don't know if you again want to add anything to it.
2: Well, I I just I think it's the thing you brought up about Jim Schwartz is so helpful here for for people thinking about this, trying to like understand what Jake's saying. Think about how hesitant the secondary and linebackers played last year with Jim Schwartz, uh, with Joe Woods as the defensive coordinator, right? How much they were thinking while they were playing, and then flash to this year and how decisive and quick the linebackers and defensive backs, think about how often Grant Delpit or JOK is is in the backfield before the guy even has the chance to start, you know, hit hit his, pick his hole, right? He's being, he's, he's getting hit right after the handoff. That wasn't happening last year because you could see these guys and you saw it on the tape. You saw them thinking, you saw them hesitating. And I think, I think Jake's point is that we're seeing maybe a little bit of that from the wide receivers where they're not playing free. They're, they're trying to think about all of the, you know, the, whatever they've been told that, you know, the marker they have to get to and hitting their spot and all these sorts of things. And, and it, I, I, I think, you know, it's worth remembering that Chad O'Shea, you know, was wide receiver coach in new England for a while and was the offensive coordinator with Brian Flores in Miami for a year and got fired. So, you know, it's, it's sometimes helpful to remember where these guys have come from. And I don't think Jake, that you're saying that he's a bad coach. And I, I, I'm not saying that either, but I think, it's a it's a question of philosophical difference between freelancing and playing with a level of creativity that allows you to take advantage of the initiative versus being a little bit restrained in your movement
1: and some of those guys have to like build that chemistry and all you'll talk you'll hear the the people talk about like you know uh, travis kelsey was supposed to run a corner there and he ran a post because he saw something and i i get it there's some of that stuff missing here right or you'll see like stefan Diggs has a different way of doing things or again it's like this stuff is out there amari cooper should be in a similar mold i think that deshaun is gifted enough as a quarterback and elijah moore is gifted enough as a wide receiver like he should be able to do that stuff too because right now it feels like hey if you're running a stick route get to five put the foot on the ground and turn outside don't do anything else Mm -hmm. hey if you're running a sale get to 10 foot in the ground out. Like there's no, Hey, press five, bend it inside, sell inside to his inside shoulder, stick the foot in, get back out. It's like, there's none of that. I don't know if like, again, if that's coming from above those players and b- above the the position coach, but I just don't see, I'm not watching wide receiver tape for the Browns or David and Joku and being like, oh man, look how he set that up. That was really lovely. Mm-hmm. I don't get that vibe. Like, I feel like there's some real, there's some real restriction going on there. We'll leave it at that. So uh, again, I think the film backs it up. Next question. Mark Moser asked uh, some bad advanced stats appearing on Jerome Ford. Very popular topic today, Andrew. Yep. They seem to confirm what my eyeballs have told me. Do you agree with those bad stats? And he said, what should his proper usage be this season? He said, I hear a Pierre Strong can block. I can confirm. That Pierre Strong <laughs> is not a very good blocker, and you want to know why he's not playing a lot. It's because of that fact. They're really, if, he, if you watch it, they're really only giving Pierre Strong toss schemes. They're, mm. they're they're saying, "Hey man, we'll we'll do some pin pulls with you, get you on the perimeter, but we don't trust you inside the tackle box, and we don't trust you to pass block at mm-hmm. all." Now, you guys could view that differently, Andrew. You could view it differently that he should be getting those opportunities, but that's what they're telling us. So yeah. that's where I'm at on Pierre Strong. Uh, Jerome Ford, your thoughts?
2: I think he he has seemed to be hesitant. You know, I think we're all spoiled to death by Nick Chubb, and so anybody's going to look less decisive than Nick. But I I think often uh, Ford is is you know caught guessing a little bit too long or or hesitating, waiting for something to develop, and and it just never shows up. And and uh, and I you know I honestly also I think the reason that people have kind of leaned towards strong is because his burst shows up. Pretty readily, you know, when, when, when strong is decisive and he makes that move, he can really, he can hit that hole hard. And I haven't seen a ton of that from Jerome Ford. I think his, his long speed has showed up at times Ford, but uh, you know, his suddenness at the line of scrimmage, I, I feel like has been lacking. And I think it's a combination of vision lacking and also a little bit of burst lacking.
1: Yeah, I think with Ford, he's a gun runner. I don't think he's much more than a gun runner. The Browns want to get under center and still do some of that stuff that their their DNA has been cooked in for with Kevin for four years, and I don't think they have a runner who's good at it. Andrew, so uh, and even Kareem, Kareem can handle duo and downhill concepts, but even Kareem is is not is not that gifted. It's kind of funny that they decided, hey, we'll just put Jerome Ford in the gun and have him just be a wildcat quarterback and start from there and yeah. and, and go from there. I, I just. I think he's a gun runner. It's what he's most comfortable doing. I think that's where he sees things best. And uh, it's why I'm a little sort of perplexed about wide zone usage. Just like they they need to recognize they're not good at it anymore. They're just not good at it. And they need to practice the stuff that I think they can be good at if they work at it. Split and inside zone and quarterback read off of those concepts and little inside traps and quick hitting stuff from the gun, stuff that takes longer to develop has not necessarily been the way that this this group has gone largely because teams know their tendency to do the wider mm-hmm. two-polar you know double counter type stuff like it's just it's not advantageous for them anymore and i will say that leaky gap schemes are are more susceptible to 5 yard losses than downhill inside zone stuff whereas right. that's a negative play of like a yard or a zero so right. I just, uh, again, diversity, diversity. Like I was looking at that, you know, the, the sort of third and three in the second half and chalk talk, man, and they decided to run, you know, a, a, an elongated pin pull concept at the left side. I'm like, man, just run a speed option out the back door. Like they need some run game tendency breakers now at this point. And I, and it's kind of like, I know I saw them run some of this stuff in the in camp. like just like sprinkle some of that stuff in i hope they do i hope they do
2: just a quick galaxy brain thought on that we we talked about them knowing they didn't need to put a lot out there against arizona so maybe we see a little bit more inventiveness from the run game against baltimore in a, in a game where they absolutely have to have it and against a team that is really hard to run on but would be a little bit more susceptible to something different right so that's i i know that that seems crazy but my my hope is I guess what I'm trying to say here is they really need to be able to run the ball against the Ravens. So whatever they needed to do to get to the place where they can go into Baltimore and and get like 120 yards on the ground, they need to be able to do that.
1: And it's a little discouraging for me is that against Seattle, they were leaning into that in the biggest moments of the game. So I'm kind of hoping they like
2: Titan, Put it in the back pocket for a week. Bring it back out against Baltimore. Surprise.
1: Let's hope. Let's hope they can do that. Uh, All right. We're going to take a break. Come back from break. Talk defense. And we have a couple questions on special teams and a random one on the way out the door. So we'll be right back.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Robert Pace. I I think we'd say Pace, not a C, but it's a P A S E. so sorry if we screwed that up, Robert. Is a spy the best way to defend Lamar? What structure has been his hardest to compete against? Uh, Spy is good in theory. The problem with that is if you put a spy in space one-on-one with Lamar, it's not this guarantee that you're getting him down. Mm. So yeah, man coverage is tricky because you have your back turned to the quarterback. So if he takes off, you have no answer for that, right? So that's a tricky element zone you definitely match and zone you find ways to match route concepts and stuff so your eyes aren't like locked in on the quarterback the whole time but you are more space regimented which helps the way you stop lamar from running is your pass rush it's staying gap discipline it's keeping everybody uh in front of him and not letting him have easy routes out of the pocket that's that's it i mean you can do a spy here and there on a short yardage or something where you can have him sort of almost step up and be right close to the, to the pass rush and ready for if Lamar leaks out one direction or the other, but you can't live in a spy. I, the Browns played a lot of zone against him the first time. And I know we've said this so many times now, Andrew, but they actually played him pretty well. He made some real like MVP level throws in that game. And I think Mm -hmm. that they're going to say, do it again, Mm -hmm. do it again. So they did a nice job the first time. We'll see what they do the second time here but I don't expect them to go from like a 65% zone rate in the first time to play. And like, we're going to be 70%, man, I would be surprised by that. But I think your answer to, to keeping Lamar bottled up is more zone with consistently quality pass rush, as opposed to the other way around, Andrew, where you're, where you're saying crazy pass rush routes, just kind of all over the place. And then having someone there to clean it up, they could go that route, but I mm-hmm. don't expect them to go that route.
2: Yeah. I would like to see them sprinkle in a few uh, light-his-ass-up blitzes. I'll say that because mm-hmm. that's the other thing, historically, if you go back through Lamar's career, we all remember that game against the Dolphins, I think it was two years ago, where oh, yeah, Brian Flores, Flores was after him. Yeah, blitzed him on every down, Blitz, blitzed six or seven on every down, and he really struggled. So I, I don't want to see that all the time because I do think that they've got better ways to beat that now than they did then. But uh, a little bit of that in there to try and get some big splash negative plays I think would be welcome for me. And I think we did – this really does answer – Jake, you did a great job of speaking to John's question question next, which was, again, about the man-zone mixture. I I think the hope is that the – you know, you saw him play a ton of zone against the Cardinals. Hopefully they were kind of practicing in a game situation so that they can hit the ground running on Sunday against Baltimore. Uh, all right, so the next one then is: I know how likely it is that a, uh, a quarterback will get it, but do you think that Miles Garrett might have a chance at league MVP? What do you think it would take for him to get it? Um, I think the answer to this, the the I, I'll I'll say it more generally, not necessarily for just Miles, but any defensive player winning MVP it would have to be a combination of the best defensive season in the history of the sport, right? So like a, a twenty five true... sacks. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, 25, yeah. 27, 30 Yeah, like a half dozen defensive touchdowns. Something totally like Haley's comet, freaky, and just generally not that many good quarterbacks. Right. So, um, you know, where where there's maybe the best season is like you know forty two hundred yards and however many touchdowns or whatever, where it's just no nothing sort of overwhelming, and there is somebody on the other side that's super overwhelming. But I think. Practically speaking, those days are, are probably behind us.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I have nothing to add to that. It has to be a crazy season, and there also can't be a crazy quarterback season. So that's it. Yep. uh that's also it. Uh have you seen anything on film that would explain J O K snap continuing to dip? This question comes from Sloan Kettering. All right. Shit out Step Brothers. Um Yeah, I I think this is being overblown Just me personally. I I think there's a mixture of things. They want to get more DBs on the field at times. Sometimes they're playing a bare front with five down defensive linemen and he doesn't call the plays. So if they're going to yank somebody occasionally, they will yank him um, because, you know, walk and handle those duties and they'll play heavier DB packages or like I said, add an additional lineman to the structure. Right. So I I don't. And also they want to keep him healthy. So I do think that there are maybe neutral times and he could be dinged up a little bit. And they and there's neutral times where you know a team's going to be running the ball a lot and you don't mind throwing Taki out there with Walker or something like that. I just don't think this needs to be a big deal. I think that, you know, they want JOK to be healthy, bigger portions of the season. They're diverse in some of their personnel usage. I, I don't, again, this is just me, but I don't think it has any implication on what his future is in Cleveland. I, I know that's been a point of contention, and I think that's healthy to be looking ahead and, and having those questions out there. but. I think JOK when he's been on the field, has been really good. He's he's mm-hmm. he's uh, decisive. This scheme is perfect for him because he's an aggressive form of linebacker. And if if Schwartz were you, if you're drinking a beer with Schwartz and he's being open and honest about everything, and he he were to tell me, "Hey man, I'm not playing JOK enough because he's not good enough," I don't think he would tell you that. I think he's no. been playing more than well enough, and uh, it's it's still a real energizer part of that whole operation. I, I, I like him. I I really like what he does, what he brings, and. Uh, Who knows the future of the mic and what they'll do at that position. We'll see over time, but I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him more of a communication role in the coming years. We'll see about that. But yeah, he's, he's still very good. I I don't think we need to worry too much about the snap count stuff right now. And let's see how they do with him in some of these bigger games that are coming up.
2: That's, I think that's the key because I think, and and I, I credit goes to our colleague, Pete Smith. He pointed this out in our Slack channel. It's also about getting JOK through an entire season healthy, something that hasn't happened his first two seasons. He's having the best season of his career, and he's been completely healthy. So do I want to see him play 100% of the snaps against the Cardinals, or would I rather see him play half the snaps against the Cardinals and be ready to go full tilt against the Ravens this week? That's my choice. So hopefully, and I expect him to be heavily involved because he's a perfect fit for defending what the Ravens want to do this week.
1: Right on. Good stuff. All right. Next question comes in our special team slash coaching categories. First one is where did this punt returner come from? Is it, is it a, <laughs> is it a rational thing to hold a spot for just a returner question from Aaron Hitchens? I think if it's an end of the depth chart, wide receiver, a guy who can come on the field and play a couple snaps, if something happens like Proche can, yeah, I don't mind holding that position, right? I yeah, don't mind totally. having a, again, a guy like last week who can get you 10 yards a punt return has real value the difference in feel from starting at your 20 or your 15 to your 25 or 30 it feels much different man mm-hmm. so i think there is worth to that now again maybe jakeem grant you know, that, that whole thing was supposed to be his for two straight years that didn't come to fruition and it smells to me like the browns have always kind of wanted this at least the last yeah, two years they've so,
2: taken so many swings and misses yeah the, to end the, up the, with the, james crochet
1: the timing the timing might be right just catch punts man and get upfield That's all that's all asking
2: and i I think that's it i think that they understand that even in the scenario where watson is kind of getting back to himself like it it takes pressure off the offense like you said jake if they're at the 30 Mm -hmm. it takes a little pressure off right because you don't have to feel like you have to get two first downs to get out of a hole you know um and and i think i think with, with the way the defense is playing if the special teams can contribute and and kind of steal these little margins here you know you've got a big leg kicker who's been money from over 50 you add all that stuff up and then the gap that the offense has to make up is shorter it's smaller right and that's i think that's i think they understand the value of that considering how inconsistent their offensive production has been yeah nothing to add right. to that fantastic so, yeah next question uh hypothetically speaking if the browns make the playoffs and win a playoff game should Stefanski be in the mix for coach of the year and then who are your uh, front runners at the halfway point? This is from Drew. Ooh, I mean,
1: front runners? I haven't even really thought about it. Um, I mean, Stefanski's certainly in the mix at this point. I think it, it, Dan Campbell's probably in the mix yep. at this point. Uh, who else is surprised? I mean, uh, Harbaugh's probably in the mix at this point. Mm-hmm. Tomlin, seriously considered McDaniel, at this point. I would say mcdaniel yeah i don't i don't think we're far enough into there's a lot of names mm-hmm. just think of any team that's this play i mean andy reed just gets glossed over like <laughs> belichick got he glossed does. over yeah, for all those does. years but like you know i i do think that there's a real chance kevin's in the fold and think of teams with storylines because that's a storyline driven mm-hmm. award so mm-hmm. you know most of those stand out i don't know if we're forgetting anybody off the top of our head here but uh, that that's that to me. I mean, I guess yeah. um D'Amico Ryan's obviously that's the Texans one. are having a that's nice a little yeah. start to his tenure yeah. too. So it usually I, goes to those early coaches or guys who are dealing with very serious things to overcome. Right. And I think that's where you see you could see Harbaugh, you can see tom and, and I definitely Kevin's got
2: a lot of you know bullet points on that that end of the spectrum too. Yeah, I don't. I I my personal thought is I don't see a chance because as you said, it's a narrative based thing, and I think there's still a Deshaun Watson thing going on with Mm -hmm. folks where they just don't want to give. I mean, I think we're seeing it generally. I think there was a little bit of talk today about this, the Browns being five and three, this game against the Ravens. And, you know, compared to the other teams that are where the Browns are at, they're just not getting talked about. I know part of that is because their offense has been, you know, one of the worst in the league, but uh, still it's, you know, they, they continue to get very little attention from the national media, which is fine. It is what it is. Yep. All right. Moving on. Next
1: question is tied to this is a a tricky one um it's a it's a big one too i
2: I included the twitter thread because he has like four or five different uh replies to himself but i thought we could just overview it for him
1: all right eric let's go through these quickly eric moyer is the name um apologies if this has been asked previously i'd like to know more about first drive or early drive scripting this is going to be a lot of questions on the general topic some may sound dumb. All right, well, we're going to go speed mode, brother. <laughs> what is the purpose or is there more than one? The purpose is to give yourself. These are the things that based on film we watched of how this team plays defense. This is who, how we think we can find success. So we think they play this way. And here's some stuff that will give their specific structure some issues. Now, you obviously don't know what the other team is going to come out in to combat what you traditionally do. So there's that element of feeling each other out. And it's nice to think through the game. It's a way of a coach to prepare, right? I want to put 10 plays out there. These are 10 plays. I feel really good about with these guys. And if we can ring those plays together, then we can do this. And it helps your quarterback envision because your quarterback is heavily tied into this, right? So he will obviously envision these, plays. you know, it's it's a, it's a process of envisioning and seeing things come together. So there's real purpose in getting yourself mentally ready. You're not going to follow this. It's not like it's second and 20 and you're calling inside zone. Like, you're not going to always call this 10 plays straight, but it's an idea of 10 plays you feel really good about. Then you have all your subcategories. Here's all the first and tens we like. Here's the second and mediums we like. Here's the second and long, third and short. Here's our, our hurry up package. Here's our four minute package. Like the, you see all those categories on a, on a call sheet. They're very much broken into things in, in sections of like, as a coach, I'm thinking, all right, we got a second and medium coming up. What do we feel good about second and medium? Here's what we got written down. Here's what we talked about with the quarterback. Here's what we game plan. You're calling them off of that. So the next question, he said, is it to feel out defenses and help to call play call plays later? Yes, that's the answer. Two, his second actual question: What kind of things could play caller? Um, you know, sorry, sorry, he said, what kind of things could cause a play caller to scrap the script quickly? Well, penalties, right? Turnovers, getting you out of those. You know, being out in front of the sticks. Those are going to get you out of it right if it's like i said a minute ago you have a first down play you get a holding call whatever you know you're going to have to go off of that and go to something that's meant to you know pick up 10 yards instead of an inside zone or whatever run concept you had dialed up second right so yeah you're going to go off those things every now and again right it's not going to be 10 fluid plays the third question he asked why only the first quarter i mean why does it only serve a purpose in the first quarter cuz you have to adjust eventually the defense adjusts and you have to adjust to what the defense does that's the answer so scripting 50 plays is it's hard I mean you just want to script the start and then you feel out you have to feel for the game right point four here is the script just 10 consecutive play calls or is it play calling type or sorry play calling tree it's usually 10 plays you go from there you would love a 10 play opening drive you have to branch off of things right so if your fourth play is for a first and 10 but it's third and one or fourth and inches you go off the script right so You know, that's that's it. I I think that's a lot. I'm sorry if it's a a lot of stuff there, but that's generally the purpose. Andrew is and and really I should be answering Eric. Um, What do you here's what we feel best about. This is the calls that we like this week. Let's see how they adjust to what we do. We're going to call these plays and then we're going to come back together with the people up top the guys on the sideline. Here's what they did to it. Here's how they adjusted to it. So on and so forth. It's a very much a feeling out process at the beginning of the game right? So that's why you script 10 plays. That's why you have all the subcategories and that's why you're prepared to go off script if you need to go off script because it's not, you know, you're not an algorithm here. You're not just following some predetermined plan. It'd be nice to be able to follow a predetermined plan. You you try to. If your first 10 plays, you could call them bang, 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 bang all the way out. Like that's a great outcome, but that's just not how it always goes. So you have to be ready to, to jump off script and then, you know, come back to some of those plays maybe you didn't get to and in, in, in ones you like in situations. So long-winded answer, but that's really why you do it. And I think it's a really great part of the preparation, mental processing side of what it'll all look like too.
2: All right, next question. Fun hypothetical. Uh, What are the best traits to have to run a quarterback sneak for teams that don't like to use their QB? I go with big, strong, and somewhat nimble. Doesn't that make Miles Garrett the best candidate to use on the Browns if you have to get one yard? Or what about Nick Harris? Uh, who do you guys like? This is from Michael Clark. Um, I would love to see Miles Garrett play an offensive snap. I, it doesn't necessarily have to be running a sneak. I'd like to see him used as a blocker uh, or as like a, you know, on the edge and then, uh, you know, get loose in the, you know, as like in a play action scenario where he could catch a touchdown pass. He deserves it, right? Like the, the, I, I genuinely believe there's nothing he couldn't do on the football field. So you know, I think he I flash back to, you know, Mike Frabel. What did he catch for the Patriots? Like twelve touchdown passes in his career or something like that? He was he was money at the goal line. So yeah, give give Miles Garrett everything he wants. I think Kevin Stefanski's answer seems to be Harrison Bryant, uh, which is fine or whatever. I you know, I don't know if that's something maybe Harrison was a quarterback in high school and he's he's good with the snap not hundred percent sure
1: ironically i looked into that it was an interesting thing it's it's not it's not the first time we've seen te- teams will use tight ends for this the chiefs are notorious for doing yeah it, right they Blake they'll Bell. run a tight end in because they're bigger they're 250 260 mm-hmm. and you don't want to expose your quarterback to the hit right so you know i mean if miles wanted to do it i'm sure he could learn how to do it taking a snap under center and all of that is not rocket science physical activity but it would take a feeling out learning process. Plus, you're exposing, you know, a very valuable asset on your team to that hit.
2: Mm-hmm. You don't
1: want your quarterback to take it, but you're okay with Miles taking that hit. It's yeah, probably probably not something you would love, but I'm with you about him playing. I'd love him, you know, get the goal line.
2: Mm-hmm. What about
1: Miles peeling on flat motion to kick out somebody or slide to the flat. That'd be a lot of fun, right? Wouldn't He's that... a freak athlete. Surprising, you know? so actually, that
2: we haven't seen that. Now that I'm, I, I that.
1: am, I am interested in in doing, and it should it'd be fun. Like I think he'd yeah. really have fun with it. Right. And it should only happen at, at home. With it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So I think Titans just make a lot of sense for it. They're big yeah. guys. They're, they're usually coordinated enough to catch a football. They can get under center and take a snap. I think Harrison is fine doing it. I definitely don't want Nick Harris doing it. I don't want offensive lineman, no disrespect to the hog mollies, mm-hmm. but the coordination is not always at the forefront of, uh, of what, of what they're doing. Yeah, I've seen ball, Nick Harris try to run. Yeah. Nick Harris running a couple of routes. I've seen it. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not, pretty. not pretty. So, yeah. We'll leave it at that. Favorite fall dish. We've got two closing questions, which mm-hmm. are kind of funny. Favorite fall dish. This comes from Cleveland Elves. You um, Listen, my wife loves chili in the fall. When it starts to get a hint
2: mm-hmm.
1: of crisp air, mm-hmm. she will start to just get this itch to throw chili in the crock pot. I do not like chili that much. So oh. I'm just kind of rolling my eyes. I think chicken and noodles is Ooh, and a little mashed sure. potatoes is my favorite, like, Fall. Did you get them at like Friday night games? If they got a good snack bar, mm. you can usually get a really good chicken and noodles at a football game. But that always just kind of makes me cool. think of fall. So yeah, that's uh, I now midwest know what I'm making. For...
2: You're, you're just being yeah. as midwest, midwestern sure. as possible right now, man. Yeah, I that probably know like, what I'm making that, Like cream to chicken. Night. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's uh, good.
1: Egg noodles and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's that's the that's the feel for me. What's yours?
2: Uh, I actually, um, I'm a big fan of barbecue in the fall. um okay. I don't. Barbecue, true
1: South, two Carolina guy
2: now. Well, <laughs> I, I just, I sometimes, you know, barbecue in the summer, it can sometimes be a little bit much, you know, but you can, you can, uh, you can really, you can really throw it, throw down in the fall. Um, you know, beyond that, I would say I, I've made a few curries this fall. So that's a little bit of a further, you know, out there answer, but, but curry is, you know, is a great way to use a bunch of vegetables, get yourself some greens after you've overdone it on barbecue for two weeks, then you atone. With go. like a, a a veggie heavy curry, and you, you yeah. kind of get back to balance that way. So, yeah, it's a good question. I I um, I'm sure I'm forgetting another one that I I really love too. I you know I mean because then up. it kind of yeah, goes run... into like Thanksgiving time, and that's a whole other conversation.
1: It does melt together. Runner up for me that I feel like comes out a lot first in the fall is cheddar broccoli soup. I feel like oh one sure
2: yeah a popular fall one for us. Yeah, soups and stews. I think you know like if it was if we're talking more about like a, an area of cuisine, it fall is soup and stew time where you just want soup and stew. Yeah, like you that. want something with a little bit of steam coming off of it. Be a great podcast title for someone out there. Soup and stew. All right. Well, How are the boys?
1: <laughs> How are the boys planning to celebrate the win this Sunday? I don't know. I got you know the two <laughs> kids will just be like Stone Cold stunnering me the rest of the day. But like if they win this game Sunday, it will be the most excited I have been about this team mm-hmm. since they went to the playoffs. I think I can mm-hmm. firmly. Yep say that 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 if if they were to win this really big game Mm -hmm. so if they could pull within a half game of Baltimore and be split with them have a chance to then split the next Sunday with the Steelers I'm just saying I know we talked about you can't win the division this weekend but you can you can probably start to count it out if they lose it but it would really put them in the driver's seat to have a real shot at winning this thing so I do feel like to be at six and three and, you know, in a really good spot in the division right there with with Baltimore, man, it would be the most. And again, the thing I think it's probably too Andrew, the things that they've overcome to get here to this point this year, it would be the most excited I've been about the organization uh, to date for a while, for a couple of years. So, yeah, that would be um that would be big. I don't again, I don't know how I'd celebrate that. Probably nothing out of the ordinary. We get on the show and right. have some fun, but I would just yeah. feel really good about it.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think we would probably end up doing probably an hour and a half on Sunday night just because, you know, nobody would want to stop talking about it. But uh, as far the vibes as vibes yeah. would be good, the vibes yeah, no, be good. The, the vibes would be very good. Yeah, it would be I, I think you're right. I think it would be the most exciting since the since the playoff went in Pittsburgh. And I think I think in some ways, you know, you could you could even go so far as to say more exciting in so far as. The, you know the defense playing at the level they're playing at if they beat baltimore obviously it's going to in- include a performance from deshaun watson the 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 recipe here is a lot juicier than the 2020 recipe and i think i think we knew that even at the time you know i, I don't think that's revisionist history to say that we didn't think andrew Sendejo was the answer you know at at deep safety so yeah. um I, I think it's it's fair to say that i think we understand that the A lot more of the pieces are in place now than they were then. And so, you know, you know, a win like this would signal that's a green light to just get as far out over your skis as possible. So as far as what I would do, I would be very obnoxious on Twitter. I will be very obnoxious on social media. I promise you that. Uh, I will absolutely. uh, My dad and I have been watching football this fall and we have put together if you could nobody's filming us but if they were it would be the strongest compilation of awkward high fives that has (laughs) ever been published we are so bad at it and it keeps being bad every we're not getting better like reps are not helping so i'll i will awkwardly high five my father uh and beyond that you know i the main thing that i feel is different in the 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 afternoon window is when the browns win I'm then kind of cool to just keep checking out football games and see what's going on. If the Browns lose, I get to this place where I'm like, well, I never really liked the NFL anyway, and I kind of want to turn the TV off and do something else for a while, take a walk or, you know, be away from it for a while. So, uh, you know, as boring as this is, the answer is I would celebrate the Browns' victory by watching more football. Oh, and then one more thing. The other thing that I do when the Browns win a big game is that I – uh, feverishly spend the next 24 hours looking for any signs of respect from national media and yeah. and usually failing
1: proper amount of respect that Baltimore has received. Right. You know, I think that this would, that would be something that would have to be passed to the Browns. So you're right. Two things, you know, obviously beating the Ravens is one, but if Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. is good mm-hmm. in a game against a very good defense, if he's good, they win a game that launches their chances to still win the division You're talking about feeling really good about the prospect, and you're right. There's no fool's gold in it. The roster is what we think is good enough to be really competitive, so it's just about getting it done. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to lay some breadcrumbs for where I'm going, Andrew. Baltimore has had two blowouts recently in the in the in the mummified trip to Arizona, where you just have to get it done. They're riding high; they are due to struggle a little bit. And the Browns, and under Kevin, are due to go get a road win like this in the division that really really matters. Absolutely. I just think they're due for this game because most people are still not taking them very serious. And I and I think that this one has a chance to be special this weekend. So I'm just again, you know where I'm going with it. Mm -hmm. It's just a vibe I'm getting early in the week could change if anything, you know, happens the rest of the week. But I really like where the Browns are in this situation. And uh, kind of where the Ravens are too for mm-hmm. for how they might be feeling oh, a little bit absolutely. here. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm into I'm into this test, man. I'm into this game in a way that is uh, it it feels again like mid season playoff game. It mm-hmm. feels really really important, and I'm pumped about it.
2: Yeah, I, I flash back when you were saying that, Jake. I flash back to Stefanski saying after the win against the Forty Nine ers that he felt like it was the best week of practice since he'd been the coach or something like that. Um, just in, in terms of how locked in they were, how, how energetic they were, how committed to the, the idea, you know, all week. And, um, it certainly feels like they should have a pretty good idea of like what's in front of them in terms of an opportunity, right? This, this week, because they, you know, they got absolutely thrashed by these guys in their own building, not too long ago. And, uh, I, I think there's a, there's a really strong opportunity to set that right on Sunday. Man, I'm excited about it. Can't
1: wait for it. You guys asked some fantastic questions want to give you a ton of kudos for those. I feel like this is gaining some momentum. It's really cool to see those questions trickle in through the day. Uh, We're going to have some avenues for getting your questions specifically to us in the coming month that we're excited about. So stay tuned for that. We're coming up on our 1000th episode of this show, which is kind of crazy to me (laughs) that we have gotten to the point and Andrew's been a large part of the stuff recently, but like a thousand episodes of a podcast that you guys have really liked to this point that we've built a really strong community of people that care about the Browns and do so in a, a pretty fun way, man. I I think that I'll probably do a little intro on this soon to thank you guys, but really, really cool stuff. And your guys' interaction makes it all, all the more fun, you know? So I just wanted to say that on the way out the door, I appreciate Andrew like crazy for recording pretty late with me, getting this done uh, and, and providing fantastic insight. And, uh, again, both at the OBR, we've got a great group going on over there, so check us out. Got some deals coming in the next few weeks. It's always a dollar for your first month to join the Browns community that we have over there. And then uh, I'll always say it just because it helps. Uh, if you get the time, rate and review the podcast. Appreciate that. We should be back with Jordan Zerm tomorrow, unless he has to cover, like, figure skating or something like that for Sporting News. So we'll keep our fingers crossed that we get his attention because i think jordan's one of the best doing it too um but otherwise yeah for me and andrew we appreciate you being here and really really thoroughly from the bottom of our heart appreciate your questions that make this podcast worth everyone's time so check in with us on uh, on thursday we'll have another great podcast for you enjoyed uh, having you guys around for this one we'll be back as always appreciate you go browns